Yeah, you do have a can of Diet Coke. What's that glass? I don't know, it's some glass. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a biblical and experiential perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. My name is Jimmy Fowler. I am elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. So uh, where are we at right now? We are having a hangout. It's like a it's like a play date. Like a play date. Yeah, you know what? We are having a play date. Sans kids. Kids. There are no children. Well, then we didn't bring our kids. It's just no, us. no, your, your kids here. Yeah, but my daughter is babysitting Pastor Brian's son. And we are down in his basement. Chilling. Chilling. Hanging out. Hanging out. Recording and uh, enjoying some of his bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Pastor Brian, for <laughs> thank, providing thank. us a place to hang out and drink. Yeah, and eat the pizza that you ordered. Mm, it was good pizza. I wanted green olives. Next time, oh my add gosh, the green nobody. olives. You never, you're never supposed to put olives on a pizza that you're sharing unless everybody specifically likes olives. First of all, I know you hate it, and I think it's hilarious to put them on. Oh my gosh, this is, you are a terrible friend. Oh, oh, I'm the terrible friend <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. I'm the terrible friend. Let's take friend. a poll. If you guys think, who, all right, go ahead I, and tweet us, tweet us, let us know who's the worst friend, Jimmy Fofo or the published author, what? Uh, Hold Joe on. Thorne, who has are... helped you uh, through his books. All right, that's not All fair. Right, so, Hold on. Um, just go ahead and, and, and let us know. Pat, Pastor Pat will back me up on this. So I read something uh, recently that uh, I thought was very interesting. What it, was that? It was an article. You actually read an article? Yeah, I read, I read all the time, dude. Yeah, I know, but your books are usually like Death Metal Today. No, that's not true. Cigar Aficionado. I don't read that. Okay, so um, I read this article, and I know Jimmy read it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the article is called First Person Concerning Alcoholic Beverages, and this is published on the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary website, and it is written by the president, Dr. Paige Patterson. Um, oh, that was the president that wrote it? Yeah, so check yourself. All right, I will. Oh. He will shoot you dead. He will shoot me he dead. He's a hunter. Um, yeah, so I, I read this, and uh, Jimmy read it, but we have not talked about it. We haven't said anything other than can't wait to talk about this and it's not just that we're going to talk about this article we actually want to talk about all the bad things Mm -hmm. that we do all the bad things things like uh alcohol Mm -hmm. alcohol is always there yeah um what else cigars cigars tobacco products that's there that's there what else Um, do you do tattoos yep i think we should do tattoos look at your tattoos my tattoos are great yeah they're great but maybe they're sinful let's talk about it what how are they sinful all right, we'll talk about that. All right, we'll, all right, we'll get there. We're jumping the gun. We're jumping the gun. So we're gonna we're gonna go back and we're gonna talk about. Uh, I'm not not gonna talk about this article. You should go ahead and read it. We'll link to it in the show notes. Wait, we can't talk about this article. No, we're going to talk about the article, but it but it's the article isn't the point. The point is the ideas behind this kind of an article. All right, fair enough. So you, I can't. You can rant. It's okay. All right, I can rant. You can we do whatever there. you okay. want. We all only right. got so much time. All right, fair enough. So um, this article though uh, says. Some it says some things that are troublesome to to no, me. No, 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 no. They're not troublesome. They're idiotic. Okay, well, they are what, idiotic. What, okay, 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 first one. First okay. one. Jesus never drank. 
Okay. All right. We'll talk about that. Whether or not Jesus drank. Well, yeah. you, I mean, he certainly drank. Well, but you mean okay. you mean wine? I'm talking wine. So, okay. The article does claim say it claims that Jesus, Jesus never drank wine. Okay. Or, or wine as we know it. Yeah. Not, nothing fermented. It nothing fermented. It, it was pure. It was. It, it was, was pure, pure grape wine. juice. Um, another thing that uh, the article suggests is that uh, the wedding miracle at Cana, mm. when Jesus turned the water into wine. He was uh, turning water into fresh wine that had not been fermented at all, uh, that it, so that it was, it was just Welch's. It was Welch's, but hold on. You, you, we have to explain his argument on this one. We <laughs> have to go explain ahead, his argument. Ahead. His argument behind it is God is pure. Yes, he is. Therefore, God creates that which is pure. Yes. So when God turned the water into, quote, wine, he would say, quote, or the guy loved using the Greek, oinos, yeah. every other place— Oinos, oinos, thank you. We're glad you know your Greek. And he would sit there and say, no, no, no. It was pure because it was from a pure God and it did not have time to be fermented. <laughs> the word he used, <laughs> no, no, no the, what was that word he used? He uses a very specific word, like we're all idiots. It was. Uh, so what word did he use? He used the word logical because he did not. Because Jesus did not have enough or the grape did not have enough time to ferment. It is logical. That in that miracle, a not enough time had taken place for the grape juice to ferment. Okay. Well, you know, that's that's a theory out there. That's a theory we out can, there. Um, we can talk about that. All right. So we said first that Jesus never drank. Right. Two, the miracle that. wine was grape juice. All right. One more. We'll just do one more. Fine. Um, it's a sin to drink. Yes. The article makes the bold claim that it is a sin to drink alcohol in case you think that um, we're making that up at the very bottom it's the very last paragraph and throughout this article he introduces the article and then it comes back to this but that um, there are these three categories that he's working with some things are prohibited um, and some things are acceptable mm -hmm. and then some things are God's ideal yeah and what he, here's what he says in the end even if a Christian wished to demure from the idea that to take a drink is sin Strict biblical evidence establishes that imbibing strong drink is not God's ideal for the believer. The question then becomes, can it be anything less than sin for a believer who is genuinely grateful for the atoning power of Christ in his life to pursue anything other than the highest God's ideal, the best that he can be for Christ? All right, now listen, just calm down. No, okay, calm I'm down. just saying, ergo, if yes. you're drinking alcohol, you do not want your best life now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you just made a connection to the most conservative Baptist out there and Joel Osteen. You're welcome. Okay, you are that welcome. They are not on the same page. No, they're not. Dr. Patterson preaches the gospel. We, Except for here. Well, he, no, he's preaching the gospel here. He is taking a position on alcohol that we feel is, uh, I feel, I'm, I guess I'm, you're pretty clear, uh, is not very biblical. No, I think what I feel, though, in this is that, here's the thing, is for those that... Feel free to drink, mm -hmm. praise God. For those that feel free to abstain, right? Praise God. It's not. I don't feel like every person should be drinking. What I'm taking exception to is one. I, I feel like some of these arguments that he's making um, are unfounded. I, I think that's a stretch at right. best. Mm -hmm. But I really think I, I take exception to the uh, the understanding that um, if you are drinking, you are somehow. Uh, living outside of God's will, right? No, for he, you. He, he, the 
statement here is that it is sin. It is sin. So yeah, I, I, this is this is serious. We're going to talk about uh, Christian liberty mm-hmm. and and God's will for us, uh, especially at the end here. One of the things that the article says and, and presents, and it's this common it's this common argument that. You know, really, when the Bible talks about wine, sure, the Bible, people drink wine. But when they drink wine, like one of the things he says in the article is, well, sure, the apostles drank wine, Jesus drank wine, but it was only a little glass. Little glass. It was a tiny little glass. Thimble. It was like those those little Baptist shot glasses that we use for communion. Maybe mm. it was one of those. With a meal. No, I think he's thinking Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit's glasses for their alcohol. So the problem is that it presents this idea that... Um, the biblical evidence mostly gives a very negative perspective on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in his book, What Would Jesus Drink?, Brad Winnington breaks down all of the biblical references of alcohol, and he categorizes them into three types. Overall, there are 247 references to alcohol in the Bible. Forty of them are negative, right? So 40 negative statements about alcohol in the Bible. These are warnings about drunkenness, mm-hmm. um, the dangers of alcohol, etc., 145 are positive statements about alcohol, like alcohol is a sign of God's blessing. Uh, it's used in worship. Mm-hmm. And 62 are neutral. They, they, it's not a bad or a positive thing. Some people are being falsely accused of being drunk, or there's a vow of abstinence, not positive or negative. So the Bible, this is what um, Whittington says, the Bible is anything but silent on the issue of wine. It, like all alcohol, mm-hmm. must be treated carefully, right. seen as a blessing, and received with thanksgiving among those who drink it. It must not be abused. The old saying is true. Wine is from God. Drunkenness is from the devil. Mm. The evidence, the biblical evidence, when you're looking at everything that the Bible has to say about a topic is always good. It's always good to know what it says. The, mm-hmm. And the dominant message of Scripture is that wine is a sign of God's blessing. Mm-hmm. It is a good thing. But when it is abused, That's right. when you are drunk, when you are controlled by it or enslaved to it, it is bad. So it's like anything, right? Like anything and everything is a gift. Uh, it's when it's being misused. Right. Misused or overused. Yeah. Then, yeah, it becomes, it becomes a problem. So, you know, just what are, what, are some, what are some of the things that the Bible says about wine? Well, first that God gives wine as a gift. If you look at Psalm 104, uh, verses 14 and 15, it says this. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. Now, you were doing like the the low-carb thing right now, so you're Mm -hmm. denying God's gift of bread. Why do you feel about that? How do I feel about that? Obviously, I'm sinning. Well... (laughs) I am sinning thanks to Dr. Page. No, listen, this is maybe just a perspective on alcohol that we're talking about, but I'm really concerned that, you know, in your conscience, Mm -hmm. you you don't want to eat the carbs. That's right. But you just chowed down on a giant piece of pizza. Cheat day. Okay, it's cheat day. All right. Cheat day. So so it is a sign of God's blessing. Like, there's a bunch of passages, right? Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. There's uh, Deuteronomy 7.13. Uh, Deuteronomy eleven fourteen, Proverbs three ten. Right. I mean, these are all passages that point to uh, wine being a sign of God's blessing right. on us. So, like when God blesses Israel, He says your your vats of wine are going to be overflowing. That's right. You're going to have all that you need and more to share. Mm-hmm. The imagery and, there is strong. Right. And then when you're when you're under the under the old covenant, when you're disobedient, uh, you're going to be cursed. And guess what He does? 
takes away your wine. Yeah, man, you ain't got no drink. No drink. Just the water. Just the water. Oh, I hate water. What? I so love water. Water is good. Oh, no, man. Diet Coke, coffee. I'm like, that's, not, that's my grandma. <laughs> I'm, I'm like your grandma. You are like my I'm grandma. I'm about as healthy as your grandma. No, I think she's healthier. Oh, all right. Um, there's this one passage in Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 26, where um, it is encouraged, like God's people are encouraged to not only drink wine, but also drink strong drink, mm. a, a, a higher alcohol beverage, in celebration before the Lord. All right, listen to this. And this is when people are on a journey uh, to the temple, and if they can't make it to the temple to offer sacrifices and worship, um, here's what we read. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, and before the Lord your God, and the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, here's where they can't make it, so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses, to set his name there. Then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. God is not Mm anti-wine. He just said, listen, I, I, I want you to celebrate before me in these various ways. And one of them is in drinking wine. God likes wine he's pro wine he's pro wine but he's also uh not against if you feel uh, like you need to be abstaining from it absolutely we have the we have these examples uh the recobites yep uh, and others uh who ref- abstained from drinking alcohol like, like at our church redeemer fellowship in mm-hmm. st charles we have uh teetotalers there that's right people who will never touch a drop to their that's lips right. and we also have beer nerds who brew their own and are super into it. That's right. Uh, we have bourbon connoisseurs, mm-hmm. and but we also have people who have never had a wine cooler. And there is no drama. No drama, mama. And it's all out there. Like, everybody knows mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that we're okay with alcohol, but that we are very serious about the sin of drunkenness. That's right. Drunkenness is an issue for church discipline. That's right. But uh, certainly, uh, you can have a healthy church where you have those two opinions. Just like, listen, uh, John the Baptist, mm-hmm. abstainer. That's right. Jesus? Oh, he took it in. He drank the wine. He drank that wine. All right, we're going to talk about that. Um, so, yeah, God likes wine. It was used in worship in the Old Testament. And guess what else? It's used in the worship of the New Testament. In what way? Communion. Communion. Lord's Supper. Are you sure that's not grape juice? It, was, it, it wasn't until the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> when grape juice was invented. Um, so, look, uh, God likes wine. Judges 9.13 even says this, that wine cheers both God and man. Mm. So, okay, uh, Dr. Page and I think others, so it's, right. I don't think he's alone in this, right? No, so not I, at all. In fact, all. Th- listen, there's a history of, of this position in our denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, yeah. that goes all the way back uh, to 1845, exactly. when we started, and and it, it you, you see, not maybe not to 1845, but after that, um, during the Prohibition era, especially. So once you get to the 20th century, there are these resolutions that are passed consistently about uh, abstaining from the sale and use of beverage alcohol, and mm-hmm. so yeah, they, they they had a lot of complaints and concerns. Okay, so like I said, he's not alone. Not at all. He's not alone, and so our 
I think our feelings, or at least mine, uh, my frustration is not against those individuals. You know, I right. want to praise God that, these, that he's given them these convictions, right? Uh, what I'm not happy with is trying to force those convictions on others. Right, binding the consciences of other binding people. the conscience, and so let's discuss some of these objections that they have. Right, All right. So, so, like what? First, Jesus never drank wine. What would you say to someone that says Jesus never drank wine? Okay, well, we know that he did. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the problem. The Bible uh, gives us examples of this, but I'll just I'll just give you one. In Matthew chapter eleven, uh, Jesus says of himself, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus says this in contrast to John the Baptist. He says, John came neither eating nor drinking. John the Baptist didn't drink the wine. Mm. He was an abstainer. Uh, And it was great. It was something God called him to. So praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Uh, But Jesus did come eating and drinking, and it was one of the means by which he was accused. He hung out with drunk people, and he he hung out with uh, immoral people Mm -hmm. for the purpose of sharing the gospel and inviting them into the kingdom of heaven through faith and repentance. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was accused of being a drunkard. Jesus drank wine. And his response is, look, look, uh, wisdom is justified. Uh, by her deeds, and another part will say wisdom is justified by her children, right? So, okay, you want to accuse me of being drunk? Well, let's check it out. What, what's my behavior? What mm-hmm. do you see me doing? That's right. Doing the will of the Father. That's right. Performing miracles. Um, and you'll see my ultimate work, dying and rising again. So, yeah, th- listen, we, there's no serious scholar out there that says Jesus didn't drink wine. I mean, I'm not... Don't Dr. do Page. it. Don't do no, it. No, I'm saying Dr. Page is I'm, saying that, though. And he would say, though, in his article... He would say in his article uh, that you, you, you can't prove that that was actually wine. He would say that. He says it in his article. You, it, you're going by uh, the silence of Scripture, I think is the way he worded okay. it. So he would say wine was diluted back then. You have no proof that that was actually fermented, strong drink. So what would you say to a second objection that wine was diluted back then? All right, let's 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 go back to that first one for a second. Okay. The the burden of proof is not on me to to establish that the oinos that Jesus drank oinos. wasn't alcoholic because that is the common understanding of the word. It could refer to freshly pressed grape juice. But the common use of the word, the way it is used throughout scripture, mm-hmm. it refers to wine that has an alcoholic content. So we'll get to the dilution uh, the, the the dilution mm-hmm. of it in a in a second, but the delusion, dilution, no, dilution, <laughs> the dilution, dilution, <laughs> delusion. Yep. Um, listen, we know that um, that Jesus. Uh, like, listen, it wouldn't be up to you mm-hmm. if I make the assertion. Uh, I don't have any record of, of I don't see any record of of Jesus wearing clothes for the first year of his ministry. Prove to me that he did. Like that. That's just a silly thing to say. Yeah. We can assume that he did. Right now, we know that he, they, they took off his tunic and all of this at one mm-hmm. point later on. So you can't, somebody can't make an assertion to say, prove that he didn't do this or prove that he, we have yeah. to go with what the scripture suggests. So I think it does. In terms of the wine being diluted, diluted with water, mm-hmm. um, sure, okay, well, let's just take wine, for example. Uh, wine, when it is fermented, has an alcoholic content of about 14 to 16% alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you dilute that, Usually the, the argument uh, from this position is three parts 
uh, you're basically saying that the wine that they, the glass of wine that they would have had, the first glass of wine, a glass of wine, would be the equivalent of what we have today in beer. It would be roughly five to six percent alcohol. Okay. So, um, yeah, okay. It, it, this is this really doesn't address the issue. Was there alcohol in it or not? So, it, well, it was diluted. Okay, so it was the equivalent of a beer. Are you okay with me having a beer? And the answer is still going to be no from their side. Yeah. So I find that to be um, an unhelpful argument for themselves, mm-hmm. and, and I, I find it to be rather irrelevant. So, well, sure. It could yeah, have been well, plus diluted. the thing, diluted is just crappy. I mean, even looking at his argument on here, he goes, uh, number four, wine frequently was diluted with water or herbs or both. On the cross, Jesus was offered such a concoction of cheap, low-grade wine, which he refused. Jesus wanted the good wine. He wanted the good wine. <laughs> Give Jesus that 107 proof. The Jesus, he Jesus, wants that bathtub the wine, proof. Wine is not that, that wine doesn't have that proof. Um, Nobody wanted it. No, he didn't. He was looking forward to a better day. He, a better day when he would drink the wine. He says, like, listen, I'm not going to drink this again until I come yeah. back and uh, paradise is established. So... So no, the the wine is um, it's not a good argument. The wine being diluted, it's because you're still dealing with whether or not it was alcoholic, okay. and the issue is it was. All right, next, it's a better witness to not drink. Yeah, I take I take exception to this. Okay, because as a guy that used to do drugs, and um, and I know we have former alcoholics or recovering alcoholics mm-hmm. in our church. We have former drug users or recovering drug abusers in our church. Um, Here's the reality. The uh, Our culture is messed up when it comes to alcohol. Yeah. We are not like other countries where no. alcohol is a bit more respected. Mm. We tend to abuse it. We don't, like the average lost person, maybe not the average, many of the lost people out there that drink alcohol drink to get drunk. They yeah. drink to get part, especially in, in the college scene. Yeah. So the proper witness is not to abstain from something that is good, mm-hmm. but to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit one of which is self-control. Self-control. The world has not seen great examples of men and women of temperance. And Mm. temperance, like temperance movement, was the the abstaining from alcohol. But that's not what the word means. C.S. Lewis points this out in his book, Mere Christianity, that that temperance means to use something appropriately, uh, the right use, not the misuse or the abuse of it. Uh, it means to do something lawfully and good. Mm-hmm. And so temperance, self-control, is not something that the world sees, and it should be something that the church sees. Not the fear of alcohol, but the proper management of it, because God has given us a spirit of self-discipline, of self-control. Hmm. So, I mean, I think that's, that's an interesting point. Like, uh, when you're talking about whether we live in freedom or live in fear, what is the greater witness right. to the freedom or uh, to the glory of God in Christ, right? Um, and I think that's that's powerful there, is that if we're operating in in fear or what we can't do, rather than uh, enjoying the gifts that God has given us, I think yeah. you're right. That's a terrible witness to, to those around us. Yeah, what the world needs to see is biblical holiness yeah godliness and so at the end of this we're going to talk about alcohol we're also going to talk about cigars and tobacco and we'll talk about tattoos as well Mm -hmm. but all of this uh we were at the end of all of this what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the liberty of conscience and the true nature of godliness so we'll get to that in a minute but let's talk about tobacco so let's talk about cigars 
Cigars. All right, so if you follow us on social media, you know that we hate cigars. We 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 deplore them. I it is terrible. We're into vape. No, shut up. <laughs> no, I can't even go along with that one. All right, so because yes, we're men, we, we don't vape. We we uh, we smoke cigars, and mm-hmm. we smoke a fair bit. I smoke probably a little more than Jimmy. Yeah, on average, Joe. You know, I'm good with averages. Very good with averages. On average, how many cigars would you say you smoke a day? You know, um, as a Reformed Baptist, I'm not really big into num- to numbers. You know, oh, I just oh, feel okay. like you know, like whatever the Lord does is cool. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to uh, be faithful yeah, with yeah. where I'm at. So, so how I faithful? Think ha- so how faithful have you been? Or how ha- the faith? The Lord has been very faithful to supply me with many cigars to smoke. And about how many does it supply with to you a day? You know, I don't really think about it. So I, let, let's, okay, let's, greater than two. Uh, I think it's fair to say I smoke more than two a day. Three. It depends on the day. I might smoke more than three on some days. Okay, four? It depends on the day. Okay, most days. Let's just say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, were Thursday, Friday, Saturday, out, Sunday. I feel like, because you know, math is not my thing, but I think I, if on average, probably two. No, 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 no. I know I've been with you. Okay, so maybe three. More, I've been with you. So some days, I know this, some days I smoke two. Some days I might smoke. Five. I don't. I have Some no. Some days I, I smoke five. I have okay. Five. That is the number. <laughs> I can. That is not the it, number. That totally is the number. Is I can't the, think of one. Some days. I have Today never I have smoked seen, five cigars. I, have, I can okay, tell you the truth. Four. No, 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 no. You've smoked four, no. and we've got a fifth after this. No, we don't. No, I smoked two today. No, three. One today. Because no, no, I was in meetings no, all day, and I no, did, that's I don't truth. believe it. Okay, no, I did smoke two because I smoked one when I got home. Three. Two cigars. I've only had two so far. That's the truth. That is actually really good for you. See, no, that's not good for me. That you just don't know. <laughs> All right, so li- we like cigars, um, and Some we don't even need, we we don't need to get into why we like cigars because it'll bore people. But you know, it's pleasurable. It smells good. It's relaxing. All that stuff. Um, so we we do we do smoke, and a lot of people find cigar smoking to not only be uh, stinky, which my wife would fall into that camp. Yeah, she does not like the smell of cigars. Same. Michelle hates it. Uh, but uh, there are people that would say that to. Smoke cigars is immoral. Immoral. It is sin. It is sin. And the I, I hear two basic objections. One is you're going to get cancer and die, so you're gambling with your life. It's okay. irresponsible and reckless. And the other thing I hear is your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and you defile the temple when you put that toxic poison in your body. So uh, well, let's start. About? Let's start with the first one. Okay, risk. Risk. You're going to get cancer. You're going to get cancer. Right. Now, you've written about this uh, on yeah. your blog. Right. There's a, I have a series of posts called Cigars, the Christian, and the Glory of God. That's it. If you just Google Joe Thorne Cigars, you'll, you'll find you'll it. You'll find it. You'll find it. So in those series of posts, kind of what do you find when it comes to the risk? Because you, you really kind of hit on it hard as far as eating cheese, too much bacon, Oh man, I'm in. I'm into bacon. You are into bacon. I'm on the bacon diet. You're on the bacon diet. Yeah, is that a real thing? No, but I, I'll I just, do that diet. I just like that. I like bacon. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that uh, life is filled with risks, okay. and we all take a variety of risks in our lives. Um, skydiving is dangerous. Mm-hmm. There is a risk involved. Rock climbing is dangerous. Yep. Uh, working on an oil rig. Or a fishing boat is very dangerous. Yeah. Is the risk itself inherently sinful that you might die doing something? I think that's an argument people need to think through more carefully. I agree. I don't think risk equates to sin. Yeah. Foolishness is is a dangerous thing that is equated with sin. 
Um, and where and how do you figure that out? I think there are some areas that might be more gray yeah. that need some wisdom and some counsel. But uh, when it comes to cigar smoking, the risk is relatively low. Uh, for never cigars, for never cigarette smokers, that is people that have never smoked cigarettes and inhaled. Yeah, the risk associated with smoking a moderate amount of cigars, the studies show that there is uh, very there is little to no statistically uh, significant increased risk. And in now I don't, I, I think we we don't want to minimize any kind of. Well, I want to make sure that we're careful here, Joe. Uh, because I'm sure there's people cigars that... Cigars are healthy. That's what no, I'm no, no, that is, not, that is not... Cigars are... No, it's natural. No, we're not saying that. We are not saying that. Because um, I think that there are uh, people that are listening that may know of or have themselves... You know, they've lost loved ones to right. cancer and stuff. So mm-hmm. we don't want to... This is not like the end-all, be-all uh, when it comes to this. So I think you are you are saying there's risk. Yep, there you is You are risk. saying there's risk. Absolutely. Uh, and that's something we need to to think through. Right. I mean, it's just the same as right now this whole craze of Pokemon Go. Look at all these foolish idiots walking around the streets trying to catch Pokemon, walking into the middle of the crosswalk right. and know, not looking both ways. You know what's safer? What's safer? Sitting in the cigar shop smoking a cigar. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what we're no, saying. No, th- th- there is risk. Risk does not equate to sin. That's what I'm saying. And, um, and yes, the... It's not for everybody. You've got to weigh these balances. But here's the truth. More people die from heart disease and lung cancer. More people are dying in our country on an annual basis from poor diet than they yeah. are from smoking. And that's including people smoking cigarettes and inhaling. That's so right. let's be consistent. Yeah. The Baptists are fat. Okay? I'm one of them. Baptists are fat. And we're really quick to like jump. pretty hot and tempting fat? P-H-A-T? No, no. Like we're obese and disgusting. Oh. Okay. And we're really quick to point the finger at people that might drink or people that might smoke, but we're not going to talk about the how much fried chicken we eat or mm. how many bags of Doritos we pound down with queso. <laughs> with queso? Oh, yeah, You man. can't just say cheese? You ever had... No, it's not just cheese, man. It's cheese <laughs> with some peppers in oh there, some gosh. salsa. <laughs> man, you ever have... Don't, don't go straight for the Tostitos. You go Doritos and queso. Because it's got the cheese flavor on oh, it, all man. right? It's like you're like you're tripling the cheese. I feel like that's something we should have at the next SBC con- uh, convention. I think what we would be healthier for us are cigars. No, now I'm thinking <laughs> of like a cheese fountain. A cheese, like a fondue. A fondue Kind of like fountain. fondue, but with chips instead of bread. Yes. Yeah, all right. Yes. So the, I, don't, I don't buy the risk thing. I, I just, I don't think it's a good argument, mm-hmm. and I find it to be um, really uh, un, unconvincing. But this issue that people bring up, like, okay, well, it, you're defiling the temple. They're, they're yeah. pointing to 1 Corinthians 6. You're going, hey, man. That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Does the Bible say that? Well, it does say okay, that. Okay, so all right, so don't defile the temple, son. Okay, hold on though, but let's don't defile. Don't spray paint the temple with your tattoos right, well, and let's... put smoke in there. <laughs> <laughs> Putting smoke in the temple. Right, let's not Creflo Dollar this uh, by the passage way, here. By, by the way, there was smoke in the temple. Just you know, if you want to be technical, incense. What's up? No, I know. What's but up, incense. fools? No, you want to make some kind of so okay. stupid argument about no, 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 don't no, no, put no. smoke in the temple? There was smoke in the temple. All no. right, go ahead, okay. Jimmy. Take it away. All right. Be biblical, brother. Be biblical, brother. All right. Well, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple, the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? See? You, right there. You are not done. your own. Right. No, it is not done. That, that's it. You are not. You belong to the Lord. Don't be putting smoke in the temple, except in the Old Testament. Except in the Old no, no, Testament. Okay, again, <laughs> incense. Again, right, right. Incense. All right, no, but... Cigars look, are incense for the look soul. Look at the context, though, of right. this passage. I think that's what's really important here. Yeah, it's God's at, word, man. 
It says, look at verse 13, no, 6, 13. You don't need to start splitting hairs. No, I'm going to... What? Split hairs? Yeah, man. <laughs> you just need to read the verse and believe it. <laughs> I'm going to name it and claim it. This is going to be mine for today. I believe I can achieve. All right, you just... You just Hosting it really bad. Really bad. Okay. Actually, I think I heard that years ago on TBN by Creflo Dollar. That guy's whack. Yeah. All right, do me a favor. Give but he's got a great jet. Give us the kind. <laughs> <laughs> so you know Jesus loves him. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the sign right there. That's the sign and seal of God's love is your jet. Verse what is, 13 What is the says context this. of this whole, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Sexual immorality. That's bad. Sexual immorality. It says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Right. So this is, what, Paul's making an argument mm-hmm. that we defile the temple of God how? Uh, sexual frivolousness. 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 Talking about Creflo, ain't it? What was I'm, that? Frivolousness. All right, so... We don't defile the temple by eating Twinkies. That's right. Well, uh, no, well, Twinkies are good, man. No, no. <laughs> and they're back. Hostess is back, son. Okay, but here, here's the thing, though, is, okay, yes, the context here, the context here is sexual immorality, but what would right. you say to that person that there's, a, there's an implication here? There are various applications for our everyday life that, that there's a spiritual truth here that uh, we are not to defile. Don't Sunday school this. I'm not trying to Sunday school. school I am not Sunday. I'm asking a legitimate question that I think people will be asking. Here's the truth. The point that Paul is making, the point. Now, we can talk about implications all day long, but the implications will relate to the point. The point is that sex outside of marriage between Mm -hmm. a man and a woman is a defiling of the temple. Okay? Mm -hmm. So now, does this verse have any bearing on our physical health? It does not. It has zero bearing. Now, there are theological truths and biblical passages mm-hmm. that do relate to our physical so you're saying health. our spiritual health yes. is, is what's being discussed here. Yes, he's talking about spiritual morality, righteousness, godliness, um, who we are as, as believers. So let's just say body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. You're going to the wrong place. You're barking up the wrong tree if you want to use that verse to argue against eating Twinkies, red meat, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> sorry, there's a spider that's right above you, and I know how much you hate spiders. Oh I'm waiting gosh, for it to dude. drop on you. I'm a freak out. Drop it. Oh my god, drop that thing. That thing is huge. <laughs> you dude. are not going to be able to. Oh my gosh, Brian, you got to get uh, Brian. Why you got spiders in your house? Yeah, you got to get some spray going. Here. All right, keep more. going. No, I can't go. No, you got spider up there. It's going to drop on my it's head. Not drop. It maybe. It might drop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It fell. It's going to drop on my. No, it didn't. It's up there. I'm freaking out, dude. Okay, no, you're fine. The third one. No, third point. No, no third point. Come no, on. No, I can't. Wait, wait, I don't even know. Okay, what we talk talked about. about risk. I can't stop looking at spiders. No, just stop looking at it. Okay, we, we talked wait, about. I'm going ri- to move over. No, don't come closer. Oh my god, it's following you. So <laughs> it's going to drop my head. All right, we talked about risk. I could fight three guys at one time and lose and not be afraid. I'm afraid of that spider. Okay, what was I talking about? <laughs> we talked about risk. We talked about our body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Turn your sound off on your computer. I thought I did. And third. Yeah, dude, that spider has completely, like, I'm watching the spider. You're fine. Keep going. All right. Uh, so what I was saying that um, you can make arguments about health, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talk about the fact that we are made in the image of God, that we are psychosomatic beings. We have a body and a soul. We are, we are dichotomous in that way. Okay. And we need to respect and treat the creation of God well. So I, I'm, I'm ready to make that argument. We can have that conversation. Yeah. But uh, the health risks of uh, smoking cigars in moderation without inhaling are statistically low, much lower than a bad diet. So let's talk about that. Um, secondly, I would say that um, if we are trying to be careful mm-hmm. 
in how we live, I'm all for that. The Bible calls us to be careful yeah. in how we live, but not to create man-made laws, not God-given laws by which we are bound. We're going to yeah. talk about that when we talk about liberty, hmm. but for now, I'll say this. I'm going to look at this. It's gone. We're Don't worry go. about it. It's gone. So now I'm freaked out that no, I can't find it. No, it went into the drop ceiling. Don't worry about it. Did it really? Yes. Brian, your drop ceiling has like a nest of spiders. Just it's like arachnophobia in here. Oh, You're fine. Geez. They're gonna just drop all on you. Remember that movie? I don't want to talk about it. No, that's gonna just Cigars. swarm you. All right, so I think I'm gonna quit cigar. I, I'm so messed up right now. My mind is so crazy. I think I'm gonna quit smoking. <laughs> oh, I, I well, can I have your locker? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, it's empty anyways. I know you. Yeah, I know. I actually smoked them all. So, listen, here's the thing about cigars. Uh, there is a health risk. Mm-hmm. Of course there is. It's not good for you. But to say that cigars are sinful yeah. is at best foolish and at worst a heresy because you are claiming that God says something that he doesn't say. Hmm. Now, Spurgeon was a cigar smoker. That doesn't make it okay. Spurgeon was also super fat, right? Uh, he didn't take care of himself. So, uh, and I say this is a guy that's overweight, so I'm not So saying... who would win in a fight, Spurgeon or Chuck Norris? Well, Chuck Norris would win, totally. Yeah, Spurgeon doesn't have... Spurgeon had gout. You see his hands? He was like big hams for hands, man. Ham hands? He's hit ham hands. Ham hands? Charles. Yeah, what's, it, what's, what's this H stand for in his name? Char- ham. Charles Ham Spurgeon. <laughs> That's what it stands for. You didn't know that? Look, um, but Spurgeon, you know, he got in trouble for his smoking. He was known to smoke, and there's a lot of apocryphal stuff yeah. about Spurgeon. You know, uh, there's always that people always say, did you know Spurgeon said this? And, I, you know, it's well, there's actually no record of him saying that. Yeah. That's a primary source. It's people without citing sources are saying that Spurgeon said that. But one thing that we do know happened is that, you know, Spurgeon uh, was preaching at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And at the end of his sermon, he invited his buddy up, G.F. Pentecost. And uh, Pentecost was supposed to come up and was supposed to just kind of apply the sermon, do something. And uh, he wound up preaching against the evil of tobacco. Mm. He called out his boy yep. in front of everybody mm. at his own church. So he gave a sermon after the sermon? Yeah, which, by the way, don't do that. That's terrible. I hate that. Don't do that. And don't call out your boy at his own church, especially if it's not biblical. Good point. So he does this. He, he's, he's going on and on about alcohol. So Spurgeon gets back up. Mm. And here's what, this is a quote. All the newspapers covered this and everything. So here's what Spurgeon said. I'm going to punch you in the face. No, he did not say that. (laughs) He did not say that. He'd probably get winded before he made contact. All right, Spurgeon said this. Well, dear friends, you know that some men can do to the glory of God what other men, what two other men would be sin. And notwithstanding what Brother Pentecost has said, I intend to smoke a cigar to the glory of God before I go to bed tonight. If anybody can show me in the Bible the command, thou shalt not smoke, I am ready to keep it. But I haven't found it yet. I find ten commandments, and it's as much as I can do to keep them, and I have no desire to make them into eleven or twelve. The fact is, I have been speaking to you about real sins, not about listening to mere quibbles and scruples. At the same time, I know that what a man believes to be sin becomes sin to him, and he must give that up. And he quotes Romans 14.23, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Mm. And that is the real point of what Brother Pentecost has been saying. You see, Spurgeon, as a gentleman, is trying to redeem uh, what Pentecost had said yeah. in, in his sermon. Why a man may, this is Spurgeon continuing, why a man may think it is a sin to have boots blackened. Well then, let him give it up and have them whitewashed. I wish to say that I'm not ashamed of anything, whatever that I do, 
and I don't feel that smoking makes me ashamed, and therefore I mean to smoke to the glory of God. Hmm. Spurgeon got in trouble for uh, being known as a smoker, and he had to come back at this with the same response that I have to give, that you have to give, which is, we are committed to the Word of God alone. Our conscience is bound to Holy Scripture, and that will be what determines what is right and what is wrong, who is God and who is man. And no one else and nothing else is going to tell us what is true outside Mm -hmm. of Scripture when it relates to things moral and spiritual well, that's about all I have to say about cigars for now. We should probably talk about tattoos. Let's talk about tattoos. Let's talk about it. It's been a little while since we had one. We need to get some more. I got one coming up in October. I know. The great Carl Grace, right? The great Carl Grace. All your tattoos are done by famous Carl Grace. Yep. I like his burgers. Wait, he's got burgers? Yeah, Carl's Jr. Oh, my gosh. I can't <laughs> believe I walked into that one. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, let's talk about tattoos. Tattoos. Um, now, you've got some tattoos. You've I have got some tattoos. two medium-sized tattoos, one mm-hmm. on each forearm, but the, the one is in process, and it's going to turn into a sleeve, correct? Yes. And it's a, a replica or a, a take on Gustave Dor's uh, Ezekiel Valley of Dry Bones. I, I believe it's pronounced Dore. Oh, really? Yeah. They're making a movie about it. Get out of here. Yeah. Finding Dory. <laughs> so dumb, <laughs> dummy. I'm I'm mighty proud of myself for that. <laughs> All right, so you've got tattoos. I've mm. got tattoos. My wife has a tattoo, by the way. Most people Wh- don't know that. Where does she have a tattoo? You know where? She's no, I really don't. Know. I know you don't know where, <laughs> but it's 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 in a rather traditional place. I don't want to talk about it. Wait, no, because you're gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna <laughs> put my wife out there for everybody. No, you already did. I said you got a tattoo. Yeah, but she you has said, a nose you ring. Said, she has okay, a nose but you said traditional too. place. All right. Well, you know, the lower back is is a rather contemporary traditional place. Don't say it. <laughs> Do not say it. <laughs> I'm not Do say- not say it. Not only my podcast. Uh, oh, your podcast? That's right, right now. All right, fair enough. All right. <laughs> 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 Only because I have so much respect for Jen That's would I right. never do that. All right, so yeah, Jen has some uh, decorative design on her lower back. I've got tattoos on my. <laughs> <laughs> she what? <laughs> she does like okay decorative design like a flower? Uh, no, no, it's like barbed a... wire. No, butterfly. No, a rainbow. No, sunset. Nope, frog. Nope. I'm all out of. Well, the, don't worry about it. Don't unicorn. Worry about it. No scripture verse. No. Yeah. Oh. No. No, No, it's just just like a little design, you know. Like like a like a portrait? Nope. No, it's a cross. It's just a design. A cross. All right, listen. Are we going to waste all of our time on this? Yes. This is this is worthwhile. She she might. It's like a you know. It's kind of like a tribal thing. So she got in the nineties. Maybe. Because I got a tribal thing on my back. Yeah, I got. And that's that's because it was. We all got. We all got tribal in the nineties. It's so embarrassing. So, uh, but actually hers is very pretty and very cool. Uh, I've been getting tattoos for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's a part of the subculture that I've been a part of. It's always yep. felt good and natural. I appreciate uh, the art that goes into tattooing. Um, I like it, but some people really have a problem with it. They, they object to tattooing for a number of reasons. For example... Um, some people would say, well, they just come out right out and say it's worldly, it's okay. godly. Um, but one of the things they do is they point to Leviticus 19. All right, Leviticus 19 says what? It says, do not uh, cut yourself for the dead or make, ta- make tattoo marks on your body. 
So why then is Leviticus 19, why does that not really apply here? What's the context, I guess? Well, we're talking about uh, the law that was given to Israel under the Old Covenant as a theocracy. And many of the laws uh, in Leviticus 19 have to do with uh, various uh, marks mm-hmm. of, of um, I, I'm going to use the word holiness, but I don't mean that, mean that in a moral sense. I mean that more in a sense of being separate and distinct. Okay, as a people of God. Right. So they weren't supposed to wear clothing made of two kinds of material. They weren't supposed to sow s- two different kinds of seed in one field. Mm-hmm. They weren't supposed to cut the hairs at the side of their heads. They weren't supposed to get tattoo marks on themselves. Mm-hmm. And specifically, this cutting for the dead, these tattoo marks that they are forbidding, were pagan practices associated with false gods and That's idolatry. Right. So it's not that he's, they're saying, do not put indelible ink on your skin. That's, That's not right. the point. The point seems to be, uh, do not jump into these pagan practices of, of false worship and um, bowing down to false gods and buying into bad theology that is exhibited in making these marks on yourself. So it, it's definitely not... Uh, a a verse that wins the argument because mm. there are so many other commands in that passage yeah. that we understand were limited to the nation of Israel as a theocracy under the old covenant. So you're saying be consistent. Exactly. We've got to be consistent. The other things that people say are things like, um, well, uh, it defiles the temple. Okay, we've already covered that, though. Okay, right, so that's out. That's out. They also say things like, well, as soon as you get a tattoo, you are... Now, putting yourself in a group of people that are immoral, reckless, and dangerous, like prisoners and oh. Russian mob and oh. gangbangers and things like that, you get the, you get the tattoo, you're, you're going to look like the, the criminals. That's such a stupid argument. Well, like, it's so stupid, I actually don't believe that's an argument. Oh, that's, that's a No, no, I think ar- you're making that I'm up. I'm not making that up. Google it. No, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to waste my time Googling it. That just sounds pretty absurd. Yeah, well... Even, listen, here's the truth. When you, when you read, and I've read books on the history of tattoos, when you read the history of tattoos, you find out that uh, as, long as, uh, as long as we've been around and we've found that, uh, oh, look at this ink. If I put it in my skin, it, in, in the dermis, it stays there. We've been doing tattoos for thousands and thousands of years. And um, people have done them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some people groups, tattooing was done for beautification. Yeah. It was just... Like, wow, this is pretty or this is cool. This is interesting. We're going to do this to enhance our appearance. Um, other people did it for to designate people uh, existing or living in various social strata, okay. uh, military achievements, things okay. like that. They oftentimes did have religious significance or purpose, so associated with false religion or idolatry, we would mm-hmm. say. But there are a ton of different reasons why people were getting tattoos. Now, back in the day, and by back in the day, I just mean going back to the 50s and the 60s, tattoos were common among Navy men, not immoral, Mm -mm. good men, but it was associated with Navy men. They were associated with bikers, Yep. right? Uh, But today, tattooing is very mainstream. Mm -hmm. It is no longer associated with any one particular class or subset of people. It's just a form of expression, I guess you would say. Sure. Soccer moms and uh, empty nesters. Pastor's wives. Pastor's wives, like my wife. (laughs) Uh, Lots of people. You got to be throwing Jen under the bus. Jen, I hope you don't mind. She's texting me right now. I hope you don't mind that uh, we're talking about your tattoo. So um, She's going to mind. Yeah, well, she can. By the time she hears this, it'll be like weeks ago. I'll be like, "Baby, that was like a month ago." What are you talking about? So, 
Today, it is mainstream. Yeah. All kinds of people uh, have tattoos. So there is no association with immorality today in the culture. Mm-hmm. There is no biblical argument against it defiling the temple. Yeah. And there, the one verse that says don't do this is a particular kind of verse set in a subset of other laws that designate Israel as a distinct nation among the pagan nations. So, okay, we've talked about alcohol. Right. We've talked about cigars. We've talked about tattoos. Right. What would your response be to all three? Get it on. Get it on? That's my response. Uh, Enjoy no. as much as possible? No, no. My, my response is... <clears throat> That we as Christians, right, of various convictions and differences, mm-hmm. need to be ruthlessly committed to the Scripture, yeah, and allow the Scripture alone to be our absolute authority in all matters of faith and practice, and that we will only say something is true about God when the Word says it, mm-hmm. and we will only say that this is right or wrong when the Word says it. It has to be properly implied uh, or explicitly stated for us to say that one thing or another is sin or good. Mm -hmm. So I just want everybody to, first of all, go back to the scripture, and I want people to be gracious with with one another as they are in our church. Yeah, We have people that would never get a tattoo and would never drink and would never smoke, and then we have other people that do, and nobody cares either way. Nobody's flaunting liberty. And uh, no one else is trying to bind another's conscience. And that's really the issue for me that bothers me Hmm. is that this whole argument frequently made by Baptists is denying the Baptist principle of the the liberty of the Christian conscience. Mm -hmm. It denies the, the principle of of Christian liberty, which Baptists have championed Mm -hmm. from the very beginning for various reasons. But in the 1689 Second London Confession, in chapter 21, paragraph 2, here we read, God alone is Lord of the conscience and has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men which are in anything contrary to his word or not contained in it. So that to believe such doctrines or obey such commands out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience. And the requiring of an implicit faith, an absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of conscience and reason also. In other words, the word of God tells us what is right and what is wrong and our conscience is bound to it. See Luther at the Diet of Worms. This we, we agree with. God alone is the Lord of our conscience and we are going to um, hold fast to what he has revealed. And Spurgeon is right. What, if, if my conscience is telling me, you know what, you should not, uh, you should not eat Twinkies yeah. because it's going to really hurt you and you're, you're, you need to not eat Twinkies. If your yeah. conscience is telling you don't drink, then don't drink for crying out loud. Absolutely. But, uh, but to obey the commands of men, to allow other humans to bind our consciences in matters of spiritual authority and morality when it doesn't come from the word of God is sin itself. Yeah. That's where the sin lies. Uh, but at the same time, I would also want to say that in response to these things, that in all things, we need to be self-controlled. Mm-hmm. We need to be loving. Yeah. We need to be uh, humble and not belligerent, mm-hmm. not flaunting 
our liberty as if we want to push it in people's faces, but uh, we need to be careful not to uh, indulge in sin and claim Christian liberty. Yeah. It's one thing to say, it's okay for me to have a cigar and uh, or a beer or whatever it is, um, but it's another thing to excuse drunkenness or gluttony or overuse by saying Christian liberty. In fact, in paragraph 3 of the 1689, um, it says this, of, this is chapter 21, They who, upon pretense of Christian liberty, do practice any sin or cherish any sinful lust, as they do thereby pervert the main design of the grace of the gospel to their own destruction, so they wholly destroy the end of Christian liberty, which is that being delivered out of the hands of all our enemies, we might serve the Lord without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. We, we, we cannot claim Christian liberty and pursue sin. Yeah. We have been saved and forgiven of all of our sins and crimes, and that is not a license to sin more, but it is a motivation to pursue godliness. You see, godliness is the inward conformity to the heart of God, the will of God, the person of Jesus Christ that is manifested in the way that we live, the choices that we make, the things that we say, all of that. So for anyone who says, I want to enjoy alcohol or cigars or I want to get a tattoo, make sure that you think long and hard about it and make sure that, that the mark of your life that is, is faith and godliness. Make sure not, not a subcultural um, ideal. It, make sure that your identity is rooted in Christ and in God and not in how you look. Hmm. The, the problem that I have is that so many other people out there are saying things like, well, the, that guy just gets those piercings or that guy just gets those tattoos so that people will look at him a certain way, which is a sinful thing to do, to judge another man's motives without hmm. knowing them. When in reality, it may be that he wants to look a certain way and be seen as something, but it also may be that he simply likes that and yeah. he likes the way it looks and he finds it to be pleasing which is certainly the case with most of the guys that I know who get tattoos for example so liberty of conscience is an issue here for Baptists that we ought to take more seriously than I think we do you know what time it is <laughs> you know what time it is cigar time we're gonna go out we're gonna we're gonna go out on Brian's back porch mm-hmm. Pastor Brian he's one of the elders at Redeemer he's on a date with his wife and so my daughter is babysitting, but we're hanging out here because w- we wanted to hang out and uh, have some quiet down in the basement. And now we're going to go onto his back porch and smoke a cigar. It's going to be good. Yeah, he doesn't let us smoke in his basement. I, I know. Mean, it's weird. It's weird. We're allowed to smoke at the church, but we're not in his well, basement. Okay. What Brian said was, hey, when you're here, the rule is no smoking in the house. He's like, it's not like the church rule, no smoking in the church. We actually mean it here. <laughs> but there's no rule about no smoking in the church. I have never heard that rule. No. When I came on staff, there was no uh, staff guidebook uh, that Are there any that signs out. that say no smoking? I have seen no signs. There are no signs. Nope, because nope. I look for the sign. Yeah, no, besides. Because I once saw the sign. Well, that was a joke. And it opened up my eyes. <laughs> oh, I saw the sign. <laughs> The worst song references, dude. All right. Thanks for listening to Doctrine and Devotion. Uh, Jimmy and I just like to sit and chop it up, talk about uh, Bible theology, Christian life, and the things that annoy us. Um, We are appreciative that you tune in, that you download the podcast. Uh, We would encourage you, please tell your friends. Get other people involved in this because we don't want the conversation to just exist between Jimmy and I. We want to have it with everybody. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, 
Uh, we will engage you on Instagram, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Go to our website, DoctrineAndDevotion.com. And if they want to leave us uh, a comment, if they want to give us ideas, Jimmy, how do they do that? On the website, they can go to the Contact Us page, and you can go ahead and give us your thoughts, suggestions, ideas, any complaints. Uh, do not send them our way. Otherwise, we will read them. Oh, yeah, we will. We will read them and bash them. And let me just tell you, we're better at ripping on people than you are. So mm. keep them to yourself. Thanks for checking us out. We'll be back in a few days. We have episodes every Monday and Thursday. So if we don't uh, talk to you online before that, you'll hear from us in just a bit. Later. Later. Later.